Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in the sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. You're listening to another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? Goodness, it feels good today, man. This is like paradise. This out is here. this is going away soon. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, it's not going to be near as bad as it ever was. But it was ninety. It's supposed to be ninety-two on Thursday. And then what's supposed to be Friday? Well, very good, <laughs> <laughs> very good and rainy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going away here in about a day or so, and that's unfortunate. But I think it's uh, it's starting to, like you said, it's gonna it's gonna you know, down and to the right, kind of mm-hmm. like. So hopefully we can get out and kill something soon in this good weather, because if not, then I don't know what we've been waiting on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is what is the early season supposed to be here well, in Texas? Well, we went out and gave it a really good shot yesterday. Yeah. But when you, when you break it down, it's still October 7th, even though it felt like a really, really good October 7th. And yep. it wasn't a terrible hunting day. No, it wasn't. No. I mean, but, yeah, you're right. Like, like I think that... Um, I don't know. I had some remorse or whatever you might call it, um, regret that I didn't go hunting this morning when yeah. I woke up. It felt really good. It was like, my kids were like, it's cold outside. Like we turned the heater on. We need jackets. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I didn't, I, you know, I turned my AC off. It ran, it either runs or it doesn't, you know, you have to have it on or off pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, and so it was running all night. I got up. I was like, man, it's pretty cold. So I turned it off and I have not turned anything on since, you mm-hmm. know? So, and we're sitting here at, uh, one o'clock or whatever it is. So it feels good outside. It felt good this morning. And I started to, uh, regret pretty immediately that we didn't go back at it, which we had planned on doing this morning, but, you know, traveling around to different parcels of public here in our state, at least, um, is, you know, it's not friendly to your gas budget and time and everything like that. And so when we were looking at, we're like, man, we kind of both have to be back this afternoon. We can't hunt. And so a morning hunt, you know, to go out and, and take a chance on, like you said, October 8th, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's still October 8th, you know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's things happening. It's cooled off. I know a lot of people are seeing a lot of deer moving with this cold front, but, um, but in the end, like, would we be better sitting a cold front now or saving that gas money and, you know, brownie points or whatever 
and going out on October 23rd or whatever, you know, instead. Nice. So, well, the thing is, man, that's something that I've been kind of thinking about is there's a sliding scale as you go down southward from the northern border of the United States mm-hmm. of like, say, what's October, the first week of October here is actually the last week of September in Missouri. And then north of that, it's the midweek of September. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying there? Yeah. So like, like weather-wise yeah, for the most or, part. Or and I guess... The way the deer are acting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like so October 7th for us is probably a lot more like what, uh, I don't know, October 20th, 20th yeah. or something is like for someone, say, in Minnesota, which is where... Our guest for today. Hey, is hey, from I like this. Tony Peterson. Saying you're good. Dude. <laughs> the big buck killer himself. <laughs> um, Tony's killed a giant buck in uh, Minnesota, and we're going to talk to him about that here in a little bit. But I think that we kind of, uh, if you start looking at that, like, man, yesterday the October 7th cold front, it's probably a lot like a mid September cold front for a lot of the Midwest and mm-hmm. stuff, you know? So it's just a really, really weird time to try to go and kill a deer in a cold front because. I mean, really, in most years, we could probably be hunting like a, a water pattern or something, mm-hmm. you know, where it's yeah. really hot, which it was two days before. Yeah. And I'm not downing the cold front, but as we go into October further, their value is going to increase drastically. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I've I, I seen it the last few years hunting our buddy Cody's property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have permission to shoot does only and no, no bucks. But um, when I see little bucks come out and, and that kind of thing, when I'm hunting over there, uh, I think it was like the 22nd of October or something like that, maybe a couple or maybe the 20th, a couple of years ago, uh, before I shot my doe, I had seen some bucks come out and they started scraping and kind of mm-hmm. uh, like looked like they wanted to fire. I think they might've even put their horns together, but not too amped up, but like enough that you're like, yeah, man, this is, they're, they're starting to kind of act like it a little bit. And we actually saw a little bit of that happen yesterday. We had a, had a good morning hunt. We saw nine deer on public land which is uh, outstanding for us here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then more <laughs> at of, one point in time, Tyler goes, there's deer everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they were, it was like, people would laugh at that. It's, I mean, including my buddy, Anthony, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, texted us. He went out yesterday afternoon and was like, Oh yeah, I saw 30 does and three, um, three bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and hey, this is on public as well. And it's in a different state. And, and it's like, well, you know, be glad you don't hunt in East Texas anymore because yeah, <laughs> it is a different story here. Nine is good for us, man. Yeah. It's like it's like as good as of a hunt as we've ever had, probably mm-hmm. as far as numbers go. And then we went out and had a lot more typical hunt we that did. afternoon. But you were saying that you saw we observed like some buck action, yeah. in that yeah. hunt, right? Yep, a little bit of little little pretty good bit of fighting between a couple of little like bucks. Ten so. minutes worth. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like they were trying to gore each other in the guts with antlers or anything, right. but they were. Well, it was funny because they're both like little spiky kind of guys. Mm-hmm. One of them was probably 15 pounds bigger, maybe more than the other one, which mm-hmm. you and I kind of discussed. Why is that? It's kind of yep. strange. But um, anyways, uh, they fought for quite a while, but it was, it sounded like deer fighting when you knew what it was. Mm-hmm. But when you didn't know what it was, it was dink, dink, dink. And it's <laughs> not like, enough what? times. Yeah, not enough times to make the right noise. I yeah. remember I looked at you and was like, what's something out there rubbing on a tree <laughs> before we knew what was going on? Yeah, we did. We did. We didn't know what was going on at yeah. first. But, but uh, we saw all those deer from that place and kind of reassessed um, our stand locations. We feel really good about that yeah. spot now because we think that the major uh, deer movement is going to be come right in front of this one tree that mm-hmm. we kind of went in and hung stands in to make sure it was going to be okay. And then uh, 
we hung a trail camera in there as well, which it's a place that uh, we had a camera last year that treated us really, really well. And we took the <laughs> the Exodus Trek that no one uh, won because we didn't get enough reviews. <laughs> and we hung it down down there. And uh, we wanted to use that camera because it takes really good photos, really good trigger speed. And uh, we hung it in a, like probably the best funnel I know of in mm-hmm. East Texas down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it's in a good spot, man. And we we were we had a camera there last year. Um and some of the frustrations we had with that camera are slow trigger speed, uh narrow field of view and it got foggy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh which I don't know what causes that, but it just seems like a cheap camera gets foggier than uh, <laughs> foggy more often, you know. And uh anyway, we had it down there all year. It's per, it's real far back in there, so it's not fun to go get. Uh it did us did us well. I mean, we, we got kind of quite a bit of info that we could use, uh, but we're excited to have a little bit better trail camera down there this year. And, um, you know, thinking about it, like the reason, um, the reason we were down there, um, hunting yesterday and saw what we saw is, is basically because of that camera last year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we wouldn't maybe have hunted back down there yesterday if we didn't have all that good information from down there last year and Mm -hmm. also know that it's a funnel. Um, uh, but we had a trail camera, you know, up in a different area, maybe through two, 300 yards from us there, um, that showed like nothing. We pulled it yesterday and it showed like no, um, no pictures of bucks. I don't mm-hmm. think were there. No. And so, um, so I guess the, the, the thought here is that <clears throat> if you're going to hang a trail camera, it doesn't mean don't hunt if you're not seeing anything. Yeah, because exactly. It, I mean, they're, they're a great tool. And like I said, we wouldn't have hunted and seen nine deer yesterday in that spot if we hadn't had the tool of a trail camera hanging down there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everything has to be taken with a grain of salt, I think. If we would have went in and pulled that card first, we would have been like, oh, I don't know if we want to hunt here. Mm-hmm. But we went down and had a pretty good hunt. Yeah. You know, mo- more deer than we normally ever see at one spot in Texas. So. Mm-hmm. If you take that and juxtapose it to our evening hunt, it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Like, we had a, it's the best preseason card pool we had on Texas Public was from this place. We hung our stands 20 yards from the camera, mm-hmm. if that, mm-hmm. and we knew there were two sheer books, one really good buck yeah. in there. And we did not see an animal bigger than a bird of prey the whole time we were <laughs> in there. He was very big <laughs> in my eyes, at least. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. So I was looking at Tyler, uh, and he was looking at me. We were probably laughing about something. We just heard off. a noise. Yeah, we had just heard a noise and thought, like, oh, man, that's a deer. Coming out. And then this <laughs> this hawk, I see, like, kind of swoops in. And I think he's coming to land on our camera arm. <laughs> Is all I could figure. And it's between Tyler and I. It's behind me, behind though. Like him, I can't see. And I know that my eyes got huge. And then instantaneously, a hawk goes right by Tyler's head. Dude, when I say two feet, that's not exaggerating. Yeah, that's you know like I mean? the very like conservative figure. It's not yeah. like, oh, it's so close. You no. know, like it literally was two feet from That's the, the closest the hawk's ever been to. Any, any big bird, you know. Like I've had some little birds get close, but yeah. man. 
It's crazy. It was pretty nuts. Yeah, I had no time to react. Like I barely even could register in my mind that your eyes were getting big, you know. <laughs> and of course, I'm thinking like a deer's walking out, you know. Yeah. But it just whoosh, whipped by me. So it was not not <clears throat> that cool. It was yeah. cool, but it wasn't as cool as a deer walking out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We would have used. We could have used it. That was a tough night, man. It was. Man. You were about to shoot anything, man. And that's yeah. What makes it tough, you know? Yeah. At that place, I was. I mean, it's a place that we know gets a lot of pressure later in the season. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. Um, don't really mind shooting a doe or a little or a spiky over here or something, you know, to eat because uh, you know, come middle of November, this place is going to get raged yeah. by individuals. I think it's already getting a touch raged. I think it might be. Yep. I think it might be. Our big book might might have gotten raged literally. We don't know for <laughs> rage sure. in the cage, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we didn't see him. Uh, and it looked like there had been another hunter in there recently. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's Texas public for you, man. It's yep. uh, not a lot of deer habitat and a lot of hunters. Yep, it is, man. Um, anyway, I guess is there anything else we need to talk about before we get Tony on the line? Mm, no, nah, there's just. Uh, Y'all go check out the continuation of the Gila hunt yep. on YouTube. Video two is posted, and video three is upcoming soon. Soon, hopefully uh, tonight, man. It's gonna be. It's really cool. I, there's not giant elk in video two. I'm gonna go ahead and give the spoiler, mm-hmm. but we chase some, and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff. And it's, it's kinda, big coos deer in part there two. It is big, big coys. Coys. And that's we decided what we're, we're gonna call. We're, yeah. Everybody wants to call them something different, so we're gonna make up our own name for them. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, go check that out. Uh, Get ready for Tony Peterson because, man, is there a cooler cucumber than Tony Peterson? Yeah, dude. He's just got like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like man crushing or nothing, you know, but he's cool, dude. He's, yeah. He's actually become, uh, I feel like a pretty good friend, um, a guy that I can rely on to help me out when I need some information or a new spin on something when I'm looking at public and that kind of thing. Because he's a, uh, even though we're talking about a deer he killed on private, he hunts a lot of public land. And that's cool, but so is killing a big deer on private. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like. I'm wishing right now that I could have had a private piece around here to hunt where I didn't mm-hmm. have to get up at 3.30 or 4, you know. Yeah. And, and his private land experience is a little bit different than the uh, solo permission thing. It's like, a lot more public-like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he comes from a part of the country where, like, you know, door knocking's a thing, and a lot of people get, so it's pretty high stakes yeah. up there, too. But we'll yeah. let him tell the rest of the All story. All right, well, let's get him on the line. All right, now on the phone we have Tony Peterson. He runs the Hunt for Real podcast, which is for real hunting. Right, Tony? As, as real as we can get it, buddy. That's right, man. That's what we've been talking about off air a little bit is how real everything is, man, sometimes, and uh, how not real sometimes it is. And uh, I'm glad to have a buddy in you, man, that uh, we can chat about the things that matter and, and the things that don't and, and be on the same page with. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it, man. Sure thing. Yeah, so uh, I was saying earlier that uh your podcast is one of the only ones i listen to in the hunting spectrum right now it's a good podcast so if you're listening go check it out uh we'll link to it in the show notes but tony you um had some success this year already quite a bit and um so we've picked one (laughs) and it is uh i guess it's a kind of a hometown buck that you have uh, had luck with is that right um you know it used to be my hometown for sure you know i i uh I got really lucky when I was 15. I got permission to bow hunt a dairy farm in southeastern Minnesota. And every year I call up the farmer in March and every year he gives me the thumbs up. And so that's the one, the one place in my home state that I can go scout all year round and shed hunt and hang stands and trim some shooting lanes and run cameras and do like the, you know, it's so different than the show up at public land and turn and burn and, Mm -hmm. and, hang and hunt and so it's really like my guilty pleasure spot i just love it so much because i can do 
all the year round whitetail work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting when you when you start to hunt a lot of public, then you kind of uh, it almost makes you appreciate those private spots that you have more, just because it's a whole different you approach it differently a lot of times, and you you can be more conservative and um, and you have more history with those deer, and you and you learn more about them, and, and just all these different things. I know that personally when I hunt private. A lot of times I see more deer, so I learn more in a hunt, even when I'm yep. just, you know, in this single hunt. So it's pretty cool, man. That's a, the, I saw the pictures of the buck. I don't know the story. You killed a velvet buck uh, earlier this year in Nebraska that was also a toad. And um, I got to talk to you about that because we were in Nebraska kind of at the same time, I guess. And I was uh, struggling and you weren't. So I figured I'd <laughs> get in touch with you and see, see how I was supposed to kill a deer. And um, so I know that story, but, uh, Tell us, the, tell us the rundown on this Minnesota buck. Yeah, man. So I knew, I, you know, I, I had done several days of glassing and, and had been running cameras. And my, my buddy Eric I hunt with a lot, the guy who killed that the big one with me in Nebraska yep. this year, he and I worked together on this farm a lot. He's got permission to hunt there too. And so we had spent, we had put some time in. Um, you know, we, we went shed hunting this spring and I had found – had a good day and I found a shed from a buck that he's been out there quite a few years. And this was the year where I'm like, this, this buck's going to be probably a legitimate typical booner. And I, you know, I've had maybe two or three chances in my life where I thought I could hunt a deer that caliber. Mm -hmm. And so we, we mostly set up stands for that buck. He, you know, he moved into this Valley and it was kind of like, we're going to, we're going to pin every corner of that Valley and, you know, try to, try to get on that deer. But knowing that there's other parts of the farm where sometimes you can just pick up a gimme on a field edge opening weekend where you'll, you'll get a big one who hasn't been harassed yet. And so we hung one stand over an alfalfa field that's kind of tucked in and it's, you know, it's not as good as beans usually, but the way things were setting up as it started to get closer to the season, I'm like, well, beans are going to probably be yellow. There's going to be people sitting on, and and by the way, none of the beans were on, on the farm I could hunt. So I'm playing deer going to it, coming back. Mm -hmm. So my, my next best bet was to sit on alfalfa. Let me put it that way. And if, you know, that alfalfa was by a good bedding area and it had some really nice white oaks and it was just one of those places that offered the deer a lot. And so you know, opening morning comes and I, I sneak into this spot that, a kind of a staging area for the morning takes a long time to get in there. And I knew, I knew I probably wouldn't run into the big one in there, but there was another buck on the farm. That's got a, he's got three antlers and he's really cool. His third <laughs> antler is a lot bigger than they usually, usually it's like a little dagger or something if you even see it. Mm-hmm. And this one came out and forked and I thought maybe that buck would be in there. So I, I slipped in way early and it was hot, you know, it was probably upper sixties at least going out in the morning. And at seven 30, I hear voices in the woods and I'm like, this is so weird. It was pretty calm. I'm like, why can I hear people talking? And then a chainsaw fires up 150 <laughs> yards away. From oh, me. No. And so I'm like, well, they're between me and where I expect the deer to come from. So I'm like, this, this hunt's kind of blown. And so I got out. I'm like, all right, well, I'll make a plan for tonight to slip in on this. It was going to be hot. It was going to be 80 degrees. And I had a little pond that Booner was hitting once in a while. I'm like, that's, you know, opening night. It's going to be hot. He's going to hit that. And so I get out of the woods, go meet up with, with Eric. And he said, he tells me he's surfing Facebook 
and he sees this guy that we, I don't know him, Eric knows him. And he said, yeah, I don't know if you're going to want to hunt that end of the woods because they were in there squirrel hunting this morning mm. and they, they posted pictures of it. Eric knew where it was. I'm like, okay, so now <laughs> one end of where this booner lives, they're cutting wood and they were cutting wood in there all day. And then the other end, there's a dude with his kid and they're squirrel hunting. And I'm like, <laughs> this is probably, and this is private, you know, but there's, it, there's a lot of people that have permission to be in there. And so I'm like, okay, now it's, now it's backup time. And the other two parts of the farm, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll probably just go sit a field edge because I knew there were a lot of really quality bucks in both spots. So I leave way early because we have, we have a rule on that farm with the other hunters. If, you know, if you're parked in one spot, then people will leave you alone and go hunt somewhere else. So I'm like, I got to get in there and I drive out to where I was thinking about going and there's already a bow hunter going in. So I talked to him and he goes, he goes off and hunts. I'm like, well, I got one spot left and it's that alfalfa stand and the wind was right because the south wind blowing. And I knew, even though I, I didn't know who had probably moved into that bedding area, I knew one of the big bucks in the, in the area would probably claim that spot. And so like, oh, this is, it's kind of like my only option, but it wasn't like a bad option. It just wasn't my first choice. And so I went, got in there, got set up, wind's good, turkey speed through, they don't see me. I have, I have good cover, see a donut, a little spotted fawn come out, probably the smallest fawn I've ever seen during hunting season. They feed off. I see a, a buck come out finally, and he's a nice one. He's a, like a real solid three and a half year old buck, but he's probably... 125 yards away and i'm like do i want to do i want to shoot that buck when i know i've got a lot of bigger deer around and you know fortunately for me he didn't he didn't come in so i didn't i didn't have to make the the actual call <laughs> yeah but as, as i'm watching this buck he's like staring in my direction and i'm like he can't see me why why does he keep looking over here and at one point i hear something walking i look and this doe comes through 18 yards away perfect trail you know spills out into the alfalfa wide open shot. And I'm like, Oh man, if a big one does that, he's in trouble. <laughs> and so she gets into the field, sees these other deer at the other end, trots over there and they're all just feeding. I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, this is like an hour before dark. I mean, it's, it's good. And so I'm sitting there and I hear this side by side that this, this farm is oh. split by a, uh, a minimum maintenance road. Uh-huh. And so nobody, nobody lives on it, but people drive it all the time. And so I hear this side by side. I assume that's what it was. I couldn't see it. It was a four wheeler or side by side, just creeping up the road. And I'm like, God dang it. I hope they don't pull down in here. And cause I'm, you know, maybe 500 yards off of it and down a hill. So I can't see it, but I can hear it. And as soon as that side by side slowed down, every deer in that field, pick their head up and took off mm. just blew out of there and i'm like man what is going on it's opening night they shouldn't be this cagey so this is like a half hour before dark and i have no deer in the field <laughs> nothing nothing going on and i'm like <laughs> i have had people around me the entire time i've hunted today and so sitting there here here's something behind me look a couple raccoons work through under me and then they they go back off and i heard a i heard something I'm like man i don't think that was a raccoon and i look back and under this oak tree i heard a stick snap and I saw this flash of white. I'm like, man, that looked like a rack. And 18 yards away on that that same trail that doe took, here comes this eight pointer that I had I hadn't seen him in person, but I've uh, I found his antler two years ago, and I had a few pictures of him, and I knew this was a really good eight pointer. As soon as he started walking out, I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm 
opening night or not, I'm shooting that buck. And <laughs> he filled into the alfalfa at 18 yards. And I drew when he walked out, put my pin behind his shoulder. And I mean, this is chip shot. There's nothing between me and him, but air and opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I put my pin on there and I'm just about to shoot. And that buck just starts walking. And in my brain, I'm like, either move your pin or stop him. And instead I just shot, like, didn't, I just, it was like, I was too committed and that arrow zipped through him. And my first thought was you shouldn't have done that. And he ran, he ran toward the edge of the field where those other deer had been standing and stopped and hunched up. And so I glassed him and I'm like, man, I, I could see the entrance wound. I'm like, that looks good. Like, it looks like he should be tipping over. And he stood there for a few minutes like that. And then it looked like he almost started to do the wobble and caught himself and hit the edge of that field where the, the timber was. And as soon as his head got in that timber, he bedded down. So his butt was actually sticking out toward the edge of the field. Mm-hmm. And I just waited till dark to slip out behind him. And the last time I glassed him, I was like, man, I think he, I think he tipped over, but it was so dark. I couldn't tell. And so got out, went and met up with Eric. We gave it two hours came back in and checked my arrow was covered in blood and walked over there and he was laying right there. Nice, man. It was wild. Yeah. That's cool, man. Well, uh, that's, it's a pretty awesome buck. I actually didn't look at it until we got back from our trip. So I didn't really know how big it was. And it's a, when you say a big eight point, for a lot of the country, it's a freaking toad, right? <laughs> yeah. Like giant bladed, you know, G two on the left side, like just a dream buck, man. So typical, yeah. And just like such a like, I, I bet you, like, what? There's a half inch of deductions if you were measure the thing, <laughs> you know, if you're a score guy. But like, it's just so typical and so beautiful. And, and huge congrats on it. Um, one of the things I guess Thank that kind of like comes to mind is, is uh, you know, you're kind of the public land guy. And uh, it's the thing you do, and not that one's better than the other or anything, but I just kind of wonder, like, whenever you do approach this private land situation, um, like, does your mentality shift towards, like, really trying to kill a big buck and thinking about, you know, comparing, uh, you know, what he might score and or, you know, age class and that sort of thing? Or do you still kind of have that same mentality of, I want to go shoot a good representative of the species, and if one walks out, I'm taking it? Man, it, it all depends on how it goes. You know, this year I was more, so I, well, I was prepared to be more selective this year because in Minnesota, our gun season opens pretty much the first Saturday in November. Mm-hmm. And so it, it might open on anywhere from like November 3rd to November 9th. And so you can't count on the rut here if you're a bow hunter yeah. and that farm, that farm that I hunt, there's three groups of shotgun hunters that go through there and there's like an average of 15 guys in each group. Ooh. So it's not, you know, I don't gun hunt it and I don't, you know, I'm not going to go sit with a bow when the landowner's family and everybody's out there. So it's like you either get it done in September or October or you, you, you don't. Mm-hmm. But this year our gun season is I think November 9th. And so I had like eight days off before that they were, you know, marked off on the calendar. And so this year I was like, I want to kill a good one. I have the time, I have the stands, you know, there's, there's plenty of them out there. And it just so happened that the first buck that gave me a shot was this eight pointer that was, you know, this really solid deer that I wouldn't have passed up any time. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, you know, it, it just, it's situational, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I, I get that, and that's uh, it's cool, and I definitely would not be passing that deer anywhere in the country either. So <laughs> it's a it's a it's a toad, man. I, I understand you're in like southern Minnesota. There is uh, that's some of the stuff that uh, you know. I know there's some controversial like CWD regulations and stuff that moved in through southern Minnesota. Is that something that you kind of have to play in there as well, as far as like when you're evaluating, you know, what you're going to take off that property? Big time. Yeah. So I, I literally last night just checked my CWD results and he's negative, which nice. makes me real happy. Yeah. Uh, but that's that was the other thing about this year. I kind of wanted to go for broke this year because we we've had antler point restrictions since 2010. Yeah. And it ha- it has changed the hunting. I mean, I, I've hunted all the big buck states, and southeastern Minnesota has turned into Iowa quality all day long. It's it's incredible. Well, this year with the and CWD you want to tell resp- everybody that? Oh, come on. <laughs> It doesn't matter now. It's gone. Uh, so this is this. There's no antler point restrictions this year in yeah. most of the most of the zones down there. There's a couple on like the fringe that are still, and so you know it, it remains to be seen how many positives show up, what the DNR's response is, and whether we'll ever get that back. But this this you know to me was an example. I, I grew up hunting there, and I used to hunt. I used to spend a lot more time in that region, and it would take like an entire season to encounter a Mm three-year-old and now you know with the antler point restrictions kicking in and the you know the the ground down there it was like you never knew what was coming over the hill it changed everything and it made it so much more fun i saw so much more fighting and like Mm -hmm. actual deer activity and now you know we might slide back to the dark ages i don't i don't know where we'll end up now you know (laughs) man that sounds uh I guess in one way exciting, in one way uh, kind of depressing. How'd you, um, uh, as far as like the the uh, CWD test kit, what's uh, how'd you get a hold of one of those? Um, you know that that's one thing I'll say about the Minnesota DNR. They set up this system where you can either drop your head off, or if you're going to mount it, you can cape it out. And then you then they you can check out a little YouTube tutorial on how to take the lymph nodes out mm-hmm. and. It's real simple. They made it really simple other than they didn't have the drop-off sites updated on their website on day one. And so I'm like, I can't take the, any of the carcass out, uh, you know, the bones and the, you know, nervous system and all that stuff. So it's like, I had to call, I had to call around a little bit to figure that out because they have drop sites with dumpsters, Mm -hmm. but I, I think they got that squared away, but really it wasn't a, it wasn't a horrible pain. I mean, it was just, you know, a few extra steps and a, a little trip down the road, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. That's a weird thing. Um, you know, like I, I'm, I'm going to be hunting in uh, two different CWD areas this year, I think. Um, well, actually three, if you include Nebraska, I guess. So, um, and I didn't kill there, but it's something that I feel like, um, you know, if the state doesn't offer like a drop-off site, you kind of have to be prepared for that. Like you have to order a kit and, before you go and have it with you and and know what you're doing um so that's one thing like that's a that's something that i have thought about in the last few years is like something that could be streamlined a little more effectively if you ask me and is and a little more education could probably be i mean like people are educated about cwd in general now and that it exists but but how do we you know how do we help the the dnr and all these different wildlife departments you know, how do we help them uh, get results and, and understand how, where and how this disease is spreading, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, my my wish on that was 
it would be that we would devote some money to a, coming up with a home, a simple home test, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. cause if you, once you pull those lymph nodes out one time, it's a, it's an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not difficult. And if they had something you could run at home and, and figure out if that deer was positive, it would be, it would at least give a lot of people peace of mind sure. and it would really provide, uh, you know, an opportunity to map what's going on with this. And that, you know, I mean, that's the thing about CWD that a lot of people have their minds made up that it's either a nothing burger or it's the end of deer hunting. And we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there saying, well, this is, you know, it's been around a million years and they're, they're saying a lot of things that we just, we honestly don't know what's going on yet. Yeah. And so to, to kind of like dig in and be like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's been here forever. Like I'm not comfortable with that. I just wish we had more tools at our own disposal to help deal with this and go, Hey, is this really a nothing burger or should we be real concerned? You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, man. Well, congrats on your deer, Tony. It's a, it's an awesome buck. And, and, um, Man, you've had a great season so far, so hopefully uh, that'll continue on for you. What's uh, what's happening next for you, I guess? I am uh, washing the blood off my pack, and I'm heading to North Dakota here in a couple days. Man, that sounds exciting. Is that uh, public land hunt, I guess? Yep. Yeah. I got, I've got buck tags left in North Dakota and Nebraska, and so or not Nebraska, Wisconsin, and I'll be uh, – North Dakota's all public land. Wisconsin will be mostly public land, and then I'm going to turn into a bird hunter. Dude, see, and you like the bird stuff a lot, right? Oh man, I do. I just, uh, I was just chatting with a landowner here in the Twin Cities this morning, and he said, uh, "You can go duck hunt my pond anytime you want." And it's like <laughs> three minutes from my house, and I'm like, "Man, it almost made me want to cancel my North Dakota trip because <laughs> I drive by this stupid thing all the time, and there are ducks using it." But oh. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to go try to fill that North Dakota tag. Then I'm going to come back and take out the dog and go see if I can shoot some greenheads and some woodies. Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. That's, I'm, uh, I'm kind of similar in that, in that stand. Uh, I, uh, Casey's not so much, but I love, I love bird hunting, man. I grew up just shooting a shotgun every day. It seemed like, you know, and it was just something, mm-hmm. something that I love doing. I love wing shooting. I love, I, I'm intrigued by the migrations a lot. It's just such a cool concept to me. Um, such yep. an amazing thing that happens. So, um, I'm with you on that. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can go hunt birds sometime together. Definitely buddy. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, what's the best place for people to listen to the podcast and get in touch with you? Um, you know, they can, I host two podcasts, hunt for real and sporting dog talk and they're, you know, iTunes and everywhere else you can find podcasts. You know, we've got the social media thing going for both of them, YouTube channels, the whole thing. So not too hard to find. And we're just, uh, just just grinding away and getting good episodes out right now yeah well you're doing a good job man i i appreciate the content you put out uh it's helpful and it's relatable i like it a lot man awesome thank you all right tony well congrats and and good luck the rest of the year man all right thanks guys man i know this isn't up your alley but (laughs) tony's got me juiced up about the bird hunting thing man what in the world well i wouldn't say it's not up my alley i think that maybe waterfowl isn't my big thing but I w- if I could go and slay, what's the limit, two pheasants a You're day? more of a quail hunter. I would love to do some upland hunting, man. <laughs> it's I, fun. I, it's freaking cool. It's also weird how, like, only rich guys do that, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, I've done it before, you know, but, like, I, I don't know if I've ever hunted behind dogs. I ever. think maybe only rich guys travel and do it. <laughs> yeah, like, like I hardcore. think there's a lot of... Uh, 
of uh, Midwesterners. But that, I would say I will say this: there's no way that Tony is an outdoor rider and is rich. So that's true. somehow he's found a way to break the system. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true, man. Uh, but I think there's a lot of like hometowners on that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what? Something's really intrigued me lately is the uh, like the the grouse hunting or whatever they are, uh, kind of more in that Midwest, like Eastern side of the Midwest stuff. Like, we like got, Ohio we, stuff? Yeah, we know yeah. people like in Minnesota and like Wisconsin that are shooting some type of up, upland bird. I think it's a grouse. I don't mm-hmm. really know. It's like, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. You don't think of it. You think of it as a rocky mountain yeah, kind of Yeah, I think deal. of like blue yeah. grouse. Yeah, I don't yeah. really think of them existing or prairie chickens or whatever they are. I don't think of them existing like in the Eastern woodland kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Dude, upland hunting. I just love wing shooting, man. I just love, like, it's just such an exciting thing and, like, such a challenge. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, man, when, like, birds are just so imp- unpredictable. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they just can go anywhere and you make you look like a fool and then some days you just can't miss, you know? Mm-hmm. It, I guess, you know, I don't know. I'm speaking for myself here, but <laughs> some people probably can't miss all the time. But, you know, I I have days where I shoot really well and then some days, like, there will be a couple birds where I'm like, man... I'm just going to make a bunch of excuses for this right now. <laughs> hey, I got new shot shells, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, but, I should have bought those seven and a half. That's right. <laughs> hey, you know what? That Winchester ain't worth anything. <laughs> um, anyway, so Tony's deer is an awesome buck. We're going to be posting some pictures of it on social um, here pretty soon. Uh, so you guys can take a look at it if you haven't seen it on his uh, channels or anything. But uh, anyway, Tony's just a great talk, man. I appreciate him coming on the podcast. I also would like to thank Exodus Trail Cameras for uh, allowing us to bring this to you guys again this year. Um, those guys um, have been really tight with us throughout the last couple of years. So uh, go support them if you support us. And uh, what else, Casey? We got some we got more videos from the elk hunt releasing. We do. And we've um, got uh, some uh, Texas hunts coming up pretty quick, too, that, mm-hmm. that'll be coming out. Um, killed a big old pig. Probably put that up on the on the YouTube channel. So be sure and go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not. Don't just go watch it. Yeah. Subscribing us helps, guys. And yeah. hit the notification bell. That's right. If you, it's weird. You can be a subscriber to our channel. And this blows my mind because I've done this on other channels. I subscribe mm-hmm. to channels that I like, too. And when I do that... I ne- like it's like I don't see their videos for like three months. I'm like, mm-hmm. what in the world? I thought I subscribed to this channel, and then I see one come in, you know, suggested, and I'm like, why haven't I been seeing these? And the issue is, you can't just like a subscriber is literally almost just a number. Yeah. But like the when you hit the bell for notifications, you actually get like emails sent to you and stuff that says, hey, so and so has up- uploaded another video. So mm-hmm. if you if you want to you know stay in the loop or whatever, make sure you hit the bell. Um, in I'll- those videos. You will see Tyler and I adorning. Is that the right word? Yeah, adorning, I think so. Adorning. And adoring. Adoring. We are very adorable. <laughs> we are very adorable in our new colors. Color yeah. for an element, element t-shirt. And right. I like our old olive shirts. Yeah, me too. They're comfortable. These new orange shirts are freaking cool. Yeah. I like, we, we both wore and ours comfortable. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is they're like... They're touch thicker, not much. So like it's a good feel though. Yeah. Like it's a good it is. feeling t-shirt. Bright, uh, I think blaze orange is the word we're looking for yep, here. Yep. So that you can wear it if you're upland hunting, like That's we were right. talking about a while ago. That's right. Or if you are on some public in Texas or otherwise, if you're in a, you know, like you got to wear orange in your gun state or whatever, you can rock these shirts and uh, be legal and be cool mm-hmm. like we were yesterday. 
and I, I may be different than other guys, but you are. <laughs> I, I think I am. Um, I if I'm out scouting, I mean, I can literally be if I'm walking scouting in January and it's thirty degrees, mm-hmm. like a t-shirt is okay for me. Oh yeah. So as long as it's not windy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, like you know, if I'm if I'm walking and I'm not like stopping too much, I mean, I'm gonna I, I get hot. Like I like walking in the woods when it's pretty cold, mm-hmm. Texan cold at least. And so, you know, to, to me, like putting a blaze t-shirt on, it's the perfect solution. You know, is, I've bought man. the, uh, the construction worker shirt, um, before and worn the, you know, construction blaze or whatever in the, in the woods and, and it's worked, you know, but, uh, you get a chance to support us by buying this shirt, I guess, and, uh, helping us to just kind of keep this thing as ad free as possible. Where can they get that Tyler? This is at our website right now. And that website's, uh, TheElementWild.com. So um, you can go there and hit the shop tab at the at the top, and that is uh, that'll lead you. You'll see it. I think first thing will be our blaze orange Ooh, element logo it's tee. Pop. It's got an eight point under an oak tree. Um, I think he's eating acorns. I can't really tell, but he's kind of um, just frisky. Is he? Yeah. Whenever well, I thought he was kind of like he did kind of the one eye jack thing where he like comes in. He's he's like following a doe. And so he's got his head low, and then he all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, there's an acorn," and he eats yeah, it, exactly. and then he keeps on going. Yeah, yeah he's 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 multitasking. <laughs> he definitely moment. is. It's like it's like food on the run during the rut. You know, it's the yeah. best of both worlds. So yeah, um, but yeah, that's uh, th- while you're at the website, you can actually see our season playlist as well. We've got a season tab, so you can keep up with uh, what's been going on on the season playlist. If you're not subscribed to YouTube or you don't uh, spend much time there, so yeah. Anyway, got a few things on the website. Check it out. Um, anything else, Casey? I think that's going to be about it. Probably, that's it, huh? man. Y- y'all uh, be excited about the upcoming cold fronts. Um, we got a lot of good podcasts coming to you, and there's a lot of good hunting in the future. So, good luck, everybody. Season's here, man. That's like, right, man. Golly, we're right in the middle of it. I know it feels good, and uh, things. I'm about to be traveling a bunch, so y'all uh, uh, wish me luck. Say a prayer for me, and um, I hope you guys are going to have a good good season as well. I know. A lot of guys, it just gets better from this point forward. So uh, get out there and get after it as much as you can. Save up your brownie points for November and go do it. And uh, remember, this is your element. Living it. For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in the sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com.